Amen. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. And as you grab a seat, grab your Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter two. If you need a Bible under a seat close by you, you'll find a black Bible under there. Um, Bible, if you're kind of new to the Bible, the Bible's like a lot of other books. You'll find a table of contents in the beginning. Look in the New Testament, find this book called Philippians and get to chapter two with us there this morning. And if you don't own a Bible, leave with that one. That one's our gift to you. Um, Hey, let me start with this. And I, I don't think this will be a surprise to any of us. Um, did you guys know as human beings, we tend to be kind of complainers? Did you know that? We, we all tend towards uh, complain, even if you don't think of yourself maybe as kind of a, a, a habitual complainer, the complaint is really easy to just roll off our tongues in certain circumstances. Um, and sometimes, oftentimes, the things we complain about are, are pretty, pretty ridiculous. And let me give you some real life, straight from the world wide web, social media, real world complaints. All right, you ready for this? Here's one. I dislike the fact that a trip to my family's second home involves a six-hour plane ride to another continent. A simple cottage getaway would be nice. The audacity of his parents, right? Wow. Or how about this one? We just got back from this boring trip my dad made me take for spring break. I was like, dad, I've been to the Bahamas like a bajillion times. Can't we just go to Mexico this year? And he just made me go on a cruise. So rude. How rude of that guy. Can you believe that? And then a lot of times, like, we don't even think of little things as complaints, but how about this one? I cannot believe I just bought a toaster without a bagel setting. <laughs> these are what, if you, uh, social media hashtag first world problems, these are first world problems, right? And sometimes, before we're too hard on these folks, sometimes don't you catch yourself, and when you boil down, like, what you're really complaining about, you're like, I can't believe I'm complaining about this. And um, there's something about like right in our human nature, we can be in maybe the best setting, like so blessed on a trip we're on or in the house we're living in. And we can always yet find those one or two little things that just bubble up into our heart and come out of our mouth as complaints. And so God today in his word, he's gonna go after this spirit of complaining that's somewhere rooted deep down in our heart. And let me tell you something, it's gonna be a little painful, okay? And all week long, I've been wrestling with this text and I went, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to try with the Holy Spirit's help to live all week without complaining about one thing. How'd that go? Really well till the car pulled out in front of me going 25 miles an hour. No joke. All the way to my house. And I lost the battle right there. But we're going to go, God's going to go after with his word and by hopefully I pray the power of his spirit to just go after what is it in us that just tends towards complaining. And then what's so cool is in this passage, he's just going to be straight up. This is one of those messages where we're not going to go out of here with like our head hurting, like, wow, I didn't understand what was preached. I hope it's really clear. Like verse 14 is going to be super clear what God wants us to take away today. But I hope what might be new to us is what's unpacked in verses 15, 16, 17. The opportunity that God gives us when we will be a people that, is, that are not defined by complaining, being argumentative, disputing, and grumbling. God gives us a great opportunity to be used by him. God wants to do some work in us in the process of this. And then God wants to do some work through us and how we relate to other people. And so... Um, Let's let God, by his spirit and through his word, do the work on any complaining, grumbling spirit we have inside of us today. And before we jump in, let me pray. Uh, Father God, we come to you right now and I beg for your spirit, Lord. Um, 
This is a, a message that um, verse 14 just leads us in and makes this such a practical message. And Lord, I think sometimes when um, with super practical messages is we can view this as just kind of like a self-help talk. Lord, I'm down with that. We need your spirit right now. We need that all of the commands that are given here, we need them to, to be rooted in the gospel. So we don't leave here trying to work harder to complain less. We leave here with our hearts more saturated by the gospel, which is the cure for a complaining spirit. And so God, um, would you put yourself on display? Jesus, would you show yourself so good to us? What do we have to complain about if we have you? We wanna see you like that. God, we wanna see you like that that you really are everything we need for all joy, for all of life. And what in the world do we have to complain about if we see you in the majesty of who you are? Right now, the myriads upon myriads around the throne saying, worthy are you. They ain't complaining about anything. God, help us to live with that peace of the kingdom of heaven on earth until we get to experience it in fullness when we'll be with you. Spirit of God, come preach this message in Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter two, verse 14. Help me out with this now. Do, next two words, do what? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Thank you, Lord. We know that, right? And yet it's hard to live it out. Let's understand what is God asking of us here? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Let's start with an understanding all on the same page. What does God mean by grumbling or disputing? Here's a definition from, for grumbling. Voicing negativity that is rooted in the self-centered belief that I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Raise your hand if you've ever said that. I don't deserve this. It's the voicing and the repetitive voicing of this negativity rooted in the self-centered, but I don't deserve this. I do not deserve this, God. That's the spirit of grumbling. And that's just like at the root of like the self-centered, I don't deserve this. How about disputing? It goes along hand in hand with it. Disputing is this argumentative spirit that's rooted in a self-centered divisiveness. You ever worked with those people? Maybe you had a roommate like this. It's just, it doesn't matter what topic came up. Like it was going to end in an argument. They could just pick apart and find every way to argue about every possible topic that comes up. You've known, we're never like that, right? There's always other people, right? You've known other people like that. And God says, do, do what? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Are you ready for the first point? I, it's gonna blow your mind. You ready for it? I am to do all things without complaining or arguing. This synonymous, synonymous idea, nothing with complaining, nothing with arguing. And God says, do all things without these, including complaint-worthy things that come your way this week, including things that you would expect to start an argument and other people looking in on it will go, I don't blame those people for arguing. God says, do all things, even the complaint-worthy, even the argument-worthy, without complaining and without arguing. Got it? Let's pray. Good luck. 
How in the world do we do this? It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to go, God, I think I'm going to need a little help with this. Let's, let's unpack maybe what's at the heart. Let's get to the heart of what's going on inside of us when we're complaining and when we're arguing. And then let's talk about the cure, the cure for that heart issue. I, I want to just lay before us, and I want to see if you'll agree with this. Complaining, grumbling is often, not always, often a direct assault on the very character of our God. Why do I say that? Let's start on this side. Let's start on this side. Do you believe that your heavenly father is completely loving? Do you believe that? All loving, completely loving. So there are times when I'm complaining and we don't say this, we're not saying this audibly, but there are times when I'm complaining about something where I'm, it is a direct assault on God. It is, as, it is as if I'm saying to him, if you loved me more, you would have kept this from me. And now some of you might be going, ah, no, 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 no. I, I don't think anytime I'm complaining that it, I'm, it's like the assault on the character, the loving character of God. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you believe, do you believe that God is all powerful? Anyone believe that? Do you believe he's sovereign? Do you believe anything that would come into your life has been sovereignly allowed? I'm not saying cause, God doesn't cause you, I'm saying sovereignly allowed. Is it possible that at the root of my complaining sometimes is this belief that God, if you were more powerful, you could have prevented this from happening? So if my complaining is often, maybe always rooted in this lack of the foundational belief in the love of God or the lack of the foundational belief in God's power, what is the cure for complaining? The cure for complaining, I believe, is the title of the series and this theme of this book called Gospel Joy. It's all through Philippians. Joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice, be glad, delight, rejoice, be glad. Sounds like a song, right? What is gospel joy? Gospel joy is this. It's an enduring, non-circumstantial delight that Jesus Christ traded the splendor of heaven, walked on this earth, died a death I deserve for sin that was all mine, rose from that dead, calls me into relationship with himself by faith. And when I put my faith in Jesus, I will know and experience the eternal and abundant life that comes only in Christ. When we believe that, any complaint-worthy, argument-worthy thing that comes, we can now go, I believe you are all loving. And I believe you are completely sovereign. I believe out of love, you've allowed this to come into my life to be used by you to make me more like your son, Jesus Christ. Listen, I get it that preaches really well on Sunday, that lives really hard Monday through Saturday. But as that gospel joy starts to sink into our heart, it's this remedy, this cure 
for that quick, quick to complain, quick to argue spirit that rises up in us. And I just got to ask this. If we're in here and we know Jesus Christ, we have tasted the goodness of the gospel that a savior who didn't deserve it um, died a death that I did deserve so that in faith in him, I could have life with him forever. What do we have to complain about? Now, some of you are like, I give you a few ideas. How about a, how about a crazy controlling boss? who hovers like an Apache helicopter over all the work I do, just waiting for my first mess up of the day to unleash the assault rifles of criticism on me yet again. You want something to complain about? I can give you something to complain about. What if, what if gospel joy, what if it instructs our heart to see that helicopter controlling boss and allows us to f- f- fill our heart with a love for him that represents to him this love of Jesus, that represents to him this desire for him to know this all-sovereign, in-control God so he doesn't have to think he has to be all-sovereign and in-control. What if there's an opportunity there? With the, gospel, with the gospel saturating your heart to reach this man. Others of you are like, you wanna know... Um, what do we have to complain about? Uh, just being real with you, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, how, about, uh, how about a completely out of touch husband? How about a completely out of touch wife? You're going, I swear he thinks I'm like the exact same person he married a decade and a half ago. And a matter of fact, I think he probably knows more about the stats of his favorite team than he does about me anymore. No amens to that, okay? You want to know something to complain about? How about that? And not excusing the role or lack thereof that that spouse is playing and their disobedience to the Lord, but just saying, what if it was possible that gospel joy could saturate our heart in such a way that it would transform us away from complaining about all the things they are not to celebrating the things that they are? and to entrusting to the Lord through prayer all the things that they're not. And going, I believe you love us and I believe you're sovereignly in control and I believe you can change their heart. While you're praying for all that they're not, you're loving and expressing a gratitude and thankfulness for all that they are. And you're going, you don't understand, you don't understand my marriage. You don't, you don't understand my husband. You don't understand my... Where maybe has decades of just complaining about it gotten it so far? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. God, how? Only by the power of the Spirit of God living in us as we're basking in the joy that comes from the gospel. If I have Jesus, and if you don't have Jesus, before I end this message, I wanna talk to you about how you can have Jesus. If I have Jesus, I have all of the joy I need for a lifetime. And if I have all the joy I need for a lifetime, 
he has given me the power to do everything without complaining, without grumbling, without arguing, without disputing. But I want you to look at this now because if we leave it there, then it's just kind of a message on like, okay, like go out and complain less. But I want you to see that God has great purposes in us rooting out a spirit of argumentativeness and complaining. He has great purposes in this, great purposes that he wants to do in you and in me and in our hearts, and then great purposes he wants to use um, with our lives when we're not defined by these things to have impact on the people around us. Um, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15, that, so that, for the purpose of that, you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Okay, let's just stop right there. Um, if I ask the question, and no response necessary, but if I ask the question, who in this room thinks they're blameless and innocent? Children of God without blemish. I have a feeling like no one's hand shooting in the air. Something just happened here. He goes, if you guys will live this out, do all things without grumbling or disputing, then so that for the purpose of you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Let's just stop there and understand something. Only in the gospel can we be called blameless and innocent and children without blemish. We want to talk about how good the gospel is. We were not an innocent people. We all sat in the courtroom dead guilty. We were not a blameless people. We deserved all the blame. And guess what? We were not an unblemished people. We were, before Jesus Christ, a deeply blemished people. I'll agree with that. And God, out of his great love of which he loved us, he sent his son, the only innocent one, the only blameless one, the only one without blemish, who walked 33 years on this earth continually without blame, as innocent, without blemish took the blemishes, took the blame, took the guiltiness on our behalf, on the cross, dead, laid in a tomb. Then what happened? Stone rolled away. He rose. So that when people will trust in Jesus as their savior, you ready for this? Do not miss this doctrine of the gospel you are declared righteous in the sight of God. I know, like, I don't believe it. I see me, I see me in all my blemishes. I don't believe it. Guess what? God sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the joy that fills our heart. And then once we know Jesus, God's on this great mission back to where it ended, uh, what Pastor Joe preached so excellently last week, where it ended in verse 13, and to work for his good pleasure. You are now a people unleashed to live for God's good pleasure. And every day he's making us more into the image of his son. Praise God, right? I ain't who I used to be. 
but I ain't who I'm gonna be. And every day God's making me more and more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, don't be a grumbling and complaining people because every opportunity that comes before you, that's an opportunity to complain, guess what? It's an opportunity for you to become more like my son, Jesus Christ. I'm to do all things without complaining or arguing, arguing. And when I don't complain or argue, listen, God's growing me into the child he wants me to be. When, if we can now see these things through the lens of what God is trying to accomplish in us, everything that come up, comes up this week that's worthy of complaining about, we can now go, no, 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 hold on. This is just an opportunity to respond more like Jesus and let the Lord grow me in this. Everything that arises this week that is worthy of argument, your, your, your spouse lobs a careless word. That in the past has derailed the rest of the evening. Instead of pulling the pin on your grenade back, you can go, this is just an opportunity to respond in a way that would make me more like Jesus, which is God's goal for my life. I don't have to resort to arguing through this. Guys, I get it. Way easier preached on Sunday than it is lived on Monday. Way easier preached on Sunday morning than it is on Sunday night. But this is the purpose God is trying to work in us. When we will submit to him, when we will let our heart be gripped by this gospel joy that allows us to do all things without grumbling or disputing. But now don't stop there because as God's doing this work in us, he wants to do work through us to the impact of other people if we will live this out. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Thank you, Jesus. What's, what's it say next? Go look, bury your heads in your Bible. What's it say next? Without blemish in what? In the midst of, in the midst of what? In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Do we agree with that? Like if you don't just go home and read the headlines. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom, and if you have an NIV in front of you, I need your help in a minute. Uh, among whom you shine as lights in the world. If you have an NIV, what's your Bible say there? Among whom you shine as stars in the universe. Think of what God just said here. Often we come to Philippians 2 um, verse 15, and we just pull it right out of the context and we make it a verse that's like, hey, live like a good person because the world you live in is kind of bad. And so like, you should shine, shine, be good. Don't pull this verse out of its context. Leave it buried right there. What is the context? Don't be a grumbling and disputing people. And when you live this out, you become, you become a light that shines. This is, looks like a collision of a dorm, four dorm rooms together, right? You become a light that shines in the midst of a crooked, twisted, and dark generation. And now don't miss the in the midst thing. 
I think sometimes we come into relationship with Jesus Christ and we're fired up. Jesus has saved me. He's transformed me. I'm not like these people I used to work with. I'm not like these people that are in my family. And sometimes when we come into relationship with Jesus, I think we go like, I'm sick of being in a place that's all complaining and negative and all this stuff. I just want out of this. Oh, this feels better. God does not say, do nothing from grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish so that I could take you out of a crooked and twisted generation. What's he say? In the midst of. So the office environment that is completely negative where people just complain, they complain about the boss. They complain about the policies. They complain about the lack of the policies. They complain about the strength of the coffee. They complain about the coffee being weak. They just complain, 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 complain. The Lord has not said, just flee that, just get out of that. He said, something happens, Christian. Something happens. In the midst of a work culture like that, when you day after day show up and will not take part in the grumbling and in the arguing and you're just faithfully there working as unto the Lord, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, doing it what? Doing it all to his glory. And when you will not take part in all of this stuff, he goes, boom, light, shine. You're shining. Christian teens, Parents, stop listening now, okay? I'm just talking to your teens. When you text mom or dad with all your friends around or just one of their friends and some of your friends don't know Jesus and you, hey, we're all going over to so-and-so's, be home at midnight. And mom or dad says, ah, oh, no, you're actually gonna be home in 15 minutes. You're not going to so-and-so's. You have an opportunity right there. You have an opportunity in the midst of friends who don't know Jesus. Hear me now. The simple way of how you respond and react to your parents' command right there. You can argue it. You can call them up on the phone. You can go toe-to-toe with mom and dad. Guess what? You're going to lose anyway. You can, you can pretend like you never got the text back. Oh, I, yeah, I never, and we just went. But when you... Take what your parents say in the midst of friends who don't know Jesus. And when you obey it, when you do it, and your other friends are going, I just would have pretended like I didn't get the text. I would have called them up and I would have put my foot down and I would have argued that. Understand something. You do that consistently. You distinguish yourself in the midst of a friend group. And over time, those friends will start to go, why don't you argue this? Why do you always do what your parents tell you to do? Why do you always, they wouldn't say it like this, but what they're saying, why do you always do everything without grumbling and disputing? Opportunity to start talking about Jesus. And Christian teenagers, some of my greatest regrets in life are all the people I did life with from the ages of 14 to 22 who I never, ever, ever told about Jesus. You have an opportunity there. No different for the Christian employee here. 
No different for the Christian spouses in here. When it comes time and you're gathered there with just the guys or just the girls and the conversation starts to go towards like subtly and it kind of eases its way in and then gets into full bone like spouse bashing, spouse bash and laugh, right? When you don't take part in that, when you do nothing from grumbling, complaining, arguing, disputing, there's this light in the midst of darkness that God is using greatly and all it is is a proper response at a time to something that would have been otherwise complaint worthy. We often don't think about the gospel opportunities that happen when we just choose to not complain and argue. It's so practical that it often just flies over our head. When I don't complain or argue, God's growing me into the child he wants me to be and God's using me to shine the light of Jesus in a dark generation. And now I want you to look at something here. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of, embrace thee in the midst of, a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Look at 16, holding fast to the word of life. What is the word of life? The word of life is the gospel. Holding fast to the gospel. The only thing that will make you stand as a light in the midst of darkness and not complain when everyone else is a part of it is if you are a person clinging to the gospel, I have all that I need for all my joy, for all my life in Jesus Christ alone. Holding fast to the word of life. And then look at what Paul says about his own ministry to the Philippians. So that, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You guys, he goes, he's going, you guys, you guys, if the Lord starts to work in your heart like this, I know when I cross the finish line and I'm standing before Jesus one day, this has all been worth it. Even, remember, where's Paul writing this from? He's writing this from prison. He's sitting in prison with the shackles, with a pen or quill or whatever it was. And he says, even, verse 17, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, that was really wordy. What did he just say there? He said, even if, as I'm sitting in prison, this costs me my life to see your faith flourishing. Guess what? Finish 17. I am glad and rejoice with you all. It was worth it. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So church today, it's straight, straight, straight up right there in front of us. I said it at the outset and I'll say it again. This is not a message of like, I don't know what Sunday's message was about. Let me give it to you in one sentence. Gospel joy empowers me to do everything without complaining or arguing. And everything means, everything means, everything means everything. Gospel joy all that I have in Jesus Christ alone empowers me to do all of the complaint-worthy things without complaining, all of the argument-worthy argument things without arguing because Jesus is the sustaining force of my heart and has given me all the joy I need for all of my life. And that when we live this out, we shine this light in the midst of a generation Folks, that needs some light to be shine. 
If you stopped right now and you thought of some of the most influential people in your life, I bet, I bet they weren't defined by a lot of complaining and grumbling. The, the potential to impact people for Jesus comes simply by not engaging in complaining and arguing and grumbling and dis disputing. And he's given, he's given us his power to live this out. And so church, um, guess what? We're heading out of here. About five minutes. And uh, you're heading back out into a week full of complaint-worthy things. You complain about your spouse, you can complain about your kids, you can complain about your boss, you can complain about your work, you can complain about anything. We're heading out, back out into a week full of complaint-worthy things. From the small things of the slow-moving car that pulled out in front of us to the careless word lobbed your way by your spouse to some bigger things of the significant project at work that has been months in the making that has just turned south and days gone or the cutting word spoken behind your back by someone you thought never would have said something like that. All of it this week can be met by a group of Christians with Jesus in their heart going, I don't have to complain about it. I don't have to argue about it. I have all the joy I need for all of life. These things will abound this week. But because of the gospel, Jesus is all sufficient to fill you with all joy for all of your life in such a way that you're empowered and you're equipped to live out this call he's just given to us today. Do nothing with grumbling, with disputing. So church, I'm dismissing us today. If you would just stand on your feet and I just wanna give us a challenge as we leave. And so as we leave, may gospel joy saturate our heart. Think about it. If you're in here and you know Jesus, What's the worst thing that could happen to you this week? It's okay, you can say it. I know it sounds morbid, but it's not. You could die. Guess what? If you know Jesus, to live is Christ, to die is. And if right now you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you're like, hold, these, these quacks just said, what did these quacks just say? What? If you're in here right now, you're not a Christian. You don't even know why you're here. And you're like, these people just said to die. And that doesn't mean there wouldn't be tears. It doesn't mean we'd be sad. We wouldn't mourn that. We'd mourn that. We'd be sad for the loss. And yet we believe something foundational that to be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord and he's better than this life. And if right now there's something inside of your heart that the spirit of God, and you don't even know it's the spirit of God, but he's tugging at you. He's going, you're... You're going, I want to be able to say to die is gain. I want to be able to nod my head with a smile and go, the worst thing that could happen to me this week is I could die and that would be good. If you want to know more about what that Jesus looks like as the Lord of your life, I want to talk to you right up here when the service is done. I want you to walk out of here knowing this Savior 
that allows Christians to say to die is gain. So as we leave Jesus followers, may gospel joy saturate our heart and may our complain free, argument free living be the source of light in our homes and in our workplaces, in our family and in our neighborhood. And may this lead to opportunities to tell people of the source of that light that's radiating from our life. And the source of that light has a name and his name is Jesus. So Harvest, we love you. When we end every service and we say we love you, it's because guess what? We love you. We love doing this life with you. We love making disciples with you. And we wanna see Jesus Christ magnified in this city through the simple act this week of no complaining, no arguing, no grumbling, no disputing. Harvest, you're loved. We'll see you here next Sunday. Have a great week. 